0: Today on Media Download, from Montclair State University and WMSC-FM,
1: the latest on technology. Digital privacy is a concern. Streaming is king.
0: It's trending now.
1: And media issues.
0: Let's start with the presidential campaign. The front
1: runner is firmly in
0: the lead in every national poll. What's the press's responsibility? I will not give him the credit he probably sought prior to this horrific and cowardly act. And top business headline news. It's online streaming versus Hollywood. Curated
1: by your host, Merrill Brown.
0: Hello, and welcome to Media Download. I'm Merrill Brown, Director of the School of Communication and Media at Montclair State University. Joining me today is Hari Serenavasan, anchor and senior correspondent, PBS NewsHour. He also anchors SciTech Now, a science program produced by WLIW21, a WNET sister station, and PBS affiliate in Long Island, New York. Yesterday we learned of the death of Gwen Ifill, a colleague of Hari's and one of the most gifted print and television journalists of our time. Most recently she was moderator of the PBS program Washington Week and was co-anchor and co-managing editor with Judy Woodruff of NewsHour on PBS. They created the first all-female anchor team on a nightly network program. Hari worked with Gwen beginning in 2009 when he became a correspondent for the NewsHour with Jim Lehrer. And three years ago, Hari became anchor for the NewsHour weekend program, launching the program from New York's WNET Lincoln Center Studios. He has also been a regular Friday replacement for Eiffel. Yesterday, Serena Vossen wrote of a, quote, difficult day at the NewsHour, describing Eiffel as his friend and mentor. Quote, most of us were trying to balance our grief with what we needed to get done today, Hari wrote. Hari Sreenivasan joins us today to talk about Gwen Ifill, to look at her role as an African-American woman who broke barriers, and to discuss what we can learn from her life in this very challenging time for journalism. Welcome, Hari. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about um, Gwen Ifill, your relationship with her,
1: and what she meant to you. Uh, Yeah, she was both of those uh, words to me, a mentor and a friend. I mean, she's somebody that I looked up to as a journalist of color coming up, and I really thought that I was going to be working in the same newsroom, really, as her. And uh, we became friends over time. And it's um, it's a tragic, it's a, it's a it's a grief process. I mean, it is a loss in the family for the people who put this program on every night. Um, she was one of the rudders of this ship, along with Judy Woodruff, and. Uh, you know, uh, we knew of uh, her health concerns. We also knew of her interest in keeping this private, and we respected that right, and uh, her health took a turn for the worse over the weekend that um, we did not expect. Um, and then, really, we were pretty stunned by the news Monday morning that, A, she was in hospice, and then just a couple of hours later that, um, um, that we'd lost her. So it, it's um, – she, she's a fantastic she, – she it's very hard for me to use the past. Uh, she she, yeah, she still is in my head, not was. Um, you know, she was a fantastic human being. Uh, the kind of outpouring that you see on the comment section of our site, on our Facebook posts, I mean, it's just impossible to summarize the kind of effect that she had. And she did so much of it quietly, and she did... Um, her part to lift up and light the way for so many other people following in her footsteps, whether they were young journalists of color, young women journalists, um, just young women at all. I mean, it's she was a a lot more of a role model than um, people recognize, and unfortunately it's in her death that we celebrate all of these things about her. But um, she's just a fantastic human being, and I was privileged to work with her. Uh, Hari,
0: as you know, um, I uh, my path crossed with Gwen in several uh, incarnations, one at NBC, and then secondly, as I did some consulting uh, around PBS. And one of the things that always um, impressed me and sometimes staggered me was her steadiness. Yeah. I mean, she was always there. She was never, in my observation of her, particularly moody. Uh, she was always focused. Um, she was always um uh, really committed to the story at hand and that's what i remember about the uh, multiple encounters with her is that comport with yeah, y- your is. points I mean, of
1: view she she just didn't she didn't sweat the day to day in the way that um, sometimes the twitter sphere and the social echo chambers want to do right? i mean she just saw the kind of longer arc of political stories especially she actually was pretty optimistic um, to almost a fault, where she felt like inherently people are good and they will make better decisions. And, but we owe it as journalists to offer an opportunity for them to explain themselves and what's behind their thinking. And she didn't think, you know, she wasn't naive. She knew that people were trying to pull the wool over uh, the press's eyes. And so she always had... You know, the question that kind of cut to the chase that removed all the noise, and that was something you'd get from a Gwen Eiffel interview when you whether you were watching her interview the president or interview one of our guests uh, for a nightly segment.
0: Conventional wisdom was that uh, one of the biggest, maybe the biggest, glass ceiling in the world was going to be broken last Tuesday. It wasn't, obviously, but. Gwen broke ceilings on her own and in very important ways and in a world that, of TV news that is still um, dominated by men.
1: How did Gwen see herself in that regard from what you observed? You know, one of the things that's interesting is I remember even just a couple of months ago having a lunch with her and she, she just didn't, she, she felt just lucky and happy um, to be where she is. I mean, she didn't get into journalism how many ever odd years ago saying, I want to be a TV anchor? You know, she just wanted to be a reporter. She was curious, that, um, and she went to school. She comes out. I mean, there was that uh, story that I think it came out yesterday for a lot of people, but, you know, one of the first places that she sort of interned as is, is a gopher and uh, is the only person of color in that entire newsroom. I think it was the Boston paper that she first started working at, and uh, one day she comes back to her desk area and finds a note that says N-word, go home. And uh, you know, she—I uh, mean, it eventually, kind of in an odd way, ended up uh, helping her land a job at that paper later on. But you know, from there to other newspapers, she had a—you know—her own sort of internal struggle with deciding to go to television. Tim Russert helped convince her that you can do this, and it was something that she didn't see in herself right away. But when, when she when she took to it, she took to it, and I don't think that she ever assume that this is where she'd be right now uh, and this is what she'd be doing. So she was very sort of constantly reminding herself of how lucky she was and how happy she is. And she was a pretty positive person, perhaps, as a result of that outlook on her life. Her relationships in political
0: Washington seemed to be comfortable but not cozy. They crossed political lines. I'll remember when she... Um, uh, moderated either candidate debates in the primary season just last year or vice presidential debates how warm the handshakes were at the end of those debates even as her questions were tough and properly so how did she do that
1: you know I think that um, if there's an internet term uh, wisey what you see is what you get and Gwen didn't come across as someone who had airs about her, I mean, she was as genuine and authentic when you saw her, and when she smiled, it you just knew there wasn't a lie behind it. It was just a beautiful smile, and she, you know, when she reached out and gave somebody a hug, it was just, it was just Gwen. And I think that people respected that, even on the debate stages and other places. They they knew that they'd get a fair shake, and. You know, so when you see these tributes kind of pouring in from different sides of the political aisle, you'd start to notice that, you know, whether it's Steny Hoyer or John McCain or Paul Ryan, I mean, frankly, even Donald Trump. And I don't know if it was his staff or what, but it's a nice thing for him to tweet. And you saw what President Obama, I mean, that was a minute an 11 second long, almost eulogy that he delivered at a press conference. And it was quite moving. I mean, it was well written and it was just, pretty amazing to realize that the president of the country is, um, you know, speaking of you so highly. What do you think, or maybe you know, uh,
0: her view was of the tumult that journalism is all about these days? And I'm sure uh, her plea was to stick with traditional values of, you know, verification and such. But where do you think she was as people like you try to figure out what the next generation of journalism look like? I think that, you know, for example, even
1: Gwen was slow to get the value of Twitter. At first, she's just like, "Eh, I don't really get it. I don't don't know if this is just a place where people are going to tell you about what sandwich they ate. I don't need to be there. You know, and then eventually when she climbed on, and man, did she, it just was – she was engaged, and she found, uh, you know, the people who she wanted to follow and how she could track conversations in real time. She saw this as a tool to get information and access to people that she wouldn't otherwise have, and she saw the value in that. So um, I think, you know, it, it might have taken some prodding from people like me or who, whatever made her decision. Uh, I'm, I'm happy that she made it. I think for me what was interesting was is that she was a woman who was open to learning and learning new Tools to hone her craft. I mean, she still wrote a column every week, uh, which might be from her print roots, but she was engaged in the broadcast program. She was engaged on Twitter. Um, I think she's, you know, somebody who reminds me that... And I mean, I, and I say this on my own. Look, the, the, the more noise there is in your life, the more you value the filter or the screen. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, I have less and less time to go through the 400 different sources of news or information and the mobile alerts and all this stuff. So if I, depending on whether I'm driving uh, or if I'm walking or I'm on a subway or whatever, how am I going to consume my information and who do I trust to get it to me? That question really hasn't changed. Now, You can go ahead and be in your, you know, hipster 20s and decide I'm going to curate this amazing feed of perfect, um, you know, uh, mavens in every vertical. Or after a while, you'll say, you know what, This, this one place seems to have a lot of things that I'm looking for. I'm going to go ahead and press that button and subscribe. And then maybe there's this other place. And you're going to narrow it down. I mean, I know that when I want technology news, I'll go to two or three different sites to compare product reviews and so forth. But I also know that I'm an outlier, that I'm have the, i a nerd enough to go want to do that. Um, if it's car stuff, there's a few car blogs that I want. But after a while, like, <laughs> I mean, when I don't have time, who do I trust? And I think the News Hour is in the trust business, and uh, as a lot of evening programs and broadcasts are, and I think there's going to be a place for that. Now, I think what we is a larger, more global conversation about journalism and, uh, and 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 behavior and how people consume it. But um, she kept reminding us that, that at the end of the day, it still came down to that very simple question: on how do you serve your audience? And
0: as she took you uh, at least to a certain extent under her wing in your early days at the News Hour. What what was that actually like, and were there many people like you who were blessed
1: with that opportunity? Yeah, you know, look, we have a rotating group of uh, desk assistants that come through young people, and then a lot of, sometimes there's openings, and some of them stay and stay onward, and then they slowly move up the ranks. So there are younger journalists all the time at the news hour, and I mean, I'm relatively old for that cohort. but. I still looked up to her uh, and said, "Hey, you know, what are the ex- life experiences that she's had that I can learn from?" And what you know, one of the s- most simple lessons that I think, even being a mentee to her, is how important giving back is in the groups of journalists that are still coming into this profession. There are a lot of things that there are a lot of disincentives to pursue this as a profession. It doesn't pay well. It, more often than not, there's no glamour in it. Uh, sometimes you could put yourself in harm's way. You're going to miss lots of holidays and weekends. You're going to work really grinding long hours. Oftentimes, no one's going to say thank you. Right? So this is not a job that um, uh, th- th- there's a certain type of person that comes to this and what you want to figure out how to do is make sure that they're encouraged to stick with this and whether they're journalists of color behind her or whether they're young women behind her I mean, we had an opportunity to, to recognize just as encouraging as her words were to us who are we going to turn around and commit to this craft
0: Uh, life is not glamorous in the uh, uh, the shopping mall environment you all work in in uh, suburban Virginia Um, and it's a very uh, kind of protected place in some ways Um, what in that in that little bubble
1: of Sherlington what's life like today oh I mean uh, yesterday was horrendous Uh, we I mean I was just Weeping in different corners, in different places, at any given time, and it was just normal. You were just walking through uh, a zone that people were just shell shocked and in grief. This morning, even the morning meeting was really, really difficult. Um, Just going over last night's program, which is what we do every day, and you know, while we were handing out the kudos to the people who got, I mean, this whole place mobilized and. Again, this was not an obituary that we had written. We were not anywhere close to this. This was not a news organization that had prepared for this moment this soon. So, you know, in the morning meeting yesterday when we figure out, and we hear that she's been moved to hospice, there's, okay, listen, it could be weeks, it could be days. If that's the case, she could come out of it, who knows. But let's start gathering some footage is what that began. And then within a couple of hours, when we got a phone call saying, listen, that tape needs to be ready tonight, it was, you know, the people who are, there's in many cases so many people who look up to her in this newsroom, they are literally writing the words that memorialize this person for a million people to see that night. It is not easy. You do not want to do this in your own newsroom. You do not want to write an obituary ever to someone especially someone that you care about and who cares about you and it's just you know I, I'm it's a it's a remarkable moment this this place really came together and it's testament to what Gwen meant but also to this tiny tight-knit shop um, and we and you, and you can see it across networks the the, the, the reach that Gwen had all these different journalists from all these different networks talking to uh, each other and talking to their audiences about what Gwen meant to her. But to this place, I mean, you know, I yesterday, as soon as uh, the first bit of information came out, I, I I sometimes I park myself in her office when I'm filling in for her. And as soon as we heard that she was in the hospice, like I moved back into the center of the newsroom. I just didn't feel right. And, you know, now her office is piling up with flowers. And I, I just... It's a very very strange um, it's a death in the family that's what it is it's not just uh,
0: the family of your organization but it's a uh, death that touches of the American family and thank you for sharing very uh, I- intimate characterizations of what transpired with us thank you Hari all right. Thank you. For those of you who didn't see the program last night, you can go to pbs.org NewsHour and see tributes to Gwen, including um, last night's uh, remarkable tributes from NewsHour. I'd, I'd urge you to do so. And if you'd like more information about this episode of Media Download, you can email us at gm at wmscradio.com or call us at 973-655-3135. I'm Merrill Brown. Thank you for listening.